Hello and welcome to the Wicked Things Podcast. We present to you Stadler House Book 2 Emily. How would you move on if you suffered the terrible loss of your family at a friend's hand? That is what Emily Stevens has been trying to do for almost two decades, but her past seems hell-bent on haunting her till her dying days. She has continued to suffer and now finds herself locked away in a mental health facility. Dr. Stadler, hypnotized and forced her to forget parts of her past, before his incarceration. Dr. Waters, under court orders continues to try and determine if Emily is sane enough to stand trial for murder. Rodney, has moved on as one of the two survivors of the Stadler House Massacre. But it seems fate has put him and Emily in a direct path towards one another. Who knows how this will all end or if it will end. Otherworldly forces are clearly at work in this small town of Port St. John, Florida. Emily staggers out of the bedroom, into the hallway. She almost at once loses her footing, and tumbles onto the terrazzo floor of the hallway flooring. She cringes and blushes as she forces herself to rise back to her feet. Emily realizes that the ringing she thought was in her head was actually the phone in the kitchen. She shuffles into the front room as the phone goes silent. It better not have been Stephen. Emily rubs her backside as she walks into the living room, She's happy to see Mr. Hill, still fast asleep in his chair. She smiles for the first time at someone blasting gospel music. Emily looks back to the child's room, then turns to continue into the kitchen. Emily enters the kitchen, looking for pots and pans to cook their dinner. She shakes her head after seeing the foul dishes and counters still waiting for her intervention. She throws her hands upward in surrender and starts washing the dishes. Emily stares at the elderly patient for a couple of moments, making sure he was asleep and had not died in her absence. She huffs, grabs the phone, and sits at the table. She punches numbers into the phone. Emily notices the buttons did not light up. She places the phone next to her ear but does not hear a dial tone. She bites her lip and furrows her mousy brown brow. You have got to be kidding! Emily tries, repeatedly hanging up the phone, and then lifting it and placing the receiver next to her ear. Each try builds on the earlier failure to connect. She slams the phone on the wall mount. Damn it! Emily slams the phone down a final time, and shock hits her as the powers to the house goes out at the same moment. She sits in the dark, dwelling on the events of the past hours. She grabs her bags and walks out the front door. I'm so done. Emily steps off the porch and sinks up to her ankle in stormwater puddles. She shakes her fist in defiance as she forces her way to her car. She throws her bags inside the back seat and climbs into the driver's seat. Emily starts the car and backs up to leave. Her eyes widen as the rear end of her car sinks into the muck and brackish water. She puts the car into drive, but it does not have traction or enough power to free itself from the clay-like soil and water. Emily jumps out of the car to examine the rear of her car. She sinks into the thick mud of the brown and green water puddle that has taken hold of her car. She pulls and lunges to free herself. Emily frees herself from the puddle, but loses a shoe. Her last lunge leaves her face down in the black-brown mud. She looks up as the powers to the house returns. 
Emily sees the porch light later in the darkness of the threatening storm. She slams her fist on the ground in anger, sending a spray of mud and horrible-smelling water out in all directions. She frowns, spitting some muck out of her mouth. Well, that's great. Emily looks over her shoulder, happy to have an alternative to going back into the house open to her. She laughs and throws up a single hand, flipping the bird to the sky in resistance to fate's plan for her. Guess I'll have to walk, then. Emily climbs back to her feet as a bolt of lightning splits an oak tree, sending it toppling across the driveway. She turns to the house and forces her way across the all-consuming muddy surface of the front yard to the porch. Are you kidding me? Fine. Now go back. God damn it! Emily sits down in the rocking chair, scraping her shoes against the bottom shelf of the small wooden stand. Large clumps of mud and muck fall off in thick layers with each pass of her shoes. She bangs her shoes on the wood floor of the porch. She takes out her rage on the shoes and porch with repeated slams of her footwear. Emily looks to her car, sighing aloud. She nods her head, accepting defeat at being able to flee the property now. How am I going to get that out of there? Emily watches as the last of the muck pulls free from the bottom of her once white nursing shoes. She forcefully drives her shoes back on her feet. She frowns as she opens the front door and enters. Emily slams the door closed behind her. All right, old man, spill. Now. James opens his eyes and yawns. He chuckles and shrugs. Good. You're back. You ready to make dinner yet? Nah, I can see it in your eyes. You're still too scared to get your job done, aren't you? Emily feels the emotional impact of the old man's harsh words hit her like a brick. She stares at him in disgust and storms into the kitchen. She plunges her hands into the water and returns to cleaning the dishes. Emily attempts to rationalize everything she has experienced in the home of Mr. Hill to this moment. She whispers under her breath, summoning her wits to stay firm in her commitment to helping Mr. Hill in his final hours. This can't be real. I have to be scaring myself. Come on, girl. You hit your head and probably have a concussion or something causing the messed up dreams. Emily cleans and stacks the dishes in the draining rack. She searches the refrigerator for something to feed the old man and herself. She gauges as the smell of moldy food and sour milk assaults her. Emily grabs and discards the spoiled contents of the refrigerator into the trash can. Emily opens the door of the refrigerator's freezer section, discovering a mountain of frozen meals to heat up. She grabs two meals and smiles at her discovery. Cool. That will save time. Emily takes a flat cooking sheet from below the stove and places the meals on it. She sets the oven temperature and places the meals inside. She leans against the stove, a look of contentment set on her face. 
Emily jumps as a glass flies off the drying rack and shatters on the floor. It shatters, making a loud crash. She sees James jerk his head in the kitchen's direction. James yells at her again, "'What are you breaking out there, you damn-witted bitch? Won't you be taking your attitude out on my mother's dishes? You hear me?' Emily turns and bends down to gather broken pieces in aggravation at the added task to her knight, a red-headed, ghostly, tween-aged boy in blue jeans and a floral-print Hawaiian shirt reveals standing behind Emily as she collects broken glass pieces. He takes a menacing pose, showing off his vicious neck wound, and looms above Emily. Emily's obvious annoyance at the collection of the glass fragments intensifies as she notices she has filled the trash can by cleaning out the refrigerator. The ghost boy looks irritated with Emily, not looking at him. He shakes his head after she rattles off curse words, struggling to tie the trash bag closed. Emily spots Brenda's discman left behind in her exit of Mr. Hill's home. She shrugs and places the headphones on her head. She presses play as she sets it in her breast pocket. She smiles briefly as If You Like Pina Coladas by Rupert Holmes plays. Never would have expected that. Emily hoists the bag out of the trash can with an audible huff. She walks past Mr. Hill on her way outside and notices he has fallen asleep in front of the television again. She opens the front door to get struck by the current high wind and heavy rainfall of the current storm ban. Emily places the garbage bag behind the rocking chair as a crackle comes through the headphones. The static noise becomes the faint voice of a child. Why did you have to save him? Emily stands upright and looks around for the source of the voice. She takes off the headphones mid-song and listens intently. She sees no one outside of the house and goes back inside. Emily looks at James. James, did you say something? Emily sees he remains still fast asleep in his chair. Her confusion builds, and she walks back into the kitchen. She knows neither James nor herself have eaten anything in over eight hours. She puts the headphones back on and nods her head to the blaring music. Meanwhile, in the living room, James passes the time in a deep sleep. He remains blissfully unaware of the red-headed, ghostly child standing within arm's reach, glaring at the old man. The boy rubs the jagged gash running along his throat with his small hands. His wound shows to be twice the size of his hand. He traces the path of his once mortal wound. He bares his teeth in his growing rage and hatred of Mr. Hill. James shivers momentarily in his chair. The screen of the television builds condensation across its screen as steam rises from the back of the 27-inch tube television. James draws his blanket around his head as his breath becomes visible. A shadowy apparition forms in the room's corner opposite James. The shadow refines its shape, revealing the entity. The entity raises its arms high, 
dark pools fade into existence from the twilight world of the dead. Four of the murdered children used the pools to cross into the physical world of Mr. Hill's living room. Each child moves into positions at James' legs and arms. The entity barks an order to the children. Hold him. If she won't help, we will have to do it ourselves. The ghastly grouping of dead children smile and look to one another as their revenge may be at hand. They fill the room with their gleeful but faint laughter. The four ghostly children smile menacingly at him. They grab his limbs and hold him down. James awakens, feeling the cold and clammy, corpse-like touch of the children's firm grips on his arms and legs. He attempts to sit upright in his chair, but cannot wrestle free from the grip of the dead children surrounding him. He can feel the freezing embrace of both the children and the icy cold of death that has entered the living room. James struggles against the hold of the ghostly children. His expression turns to outright terror, seeing the shadow-like form of the entity as it stalks closer to him. Keep that thing away from me! Let me go, damn it! Another dark pool fades into existence, this one close to Mr. Hill in his chair. Drawn into existence by the entity through a simple gesture of raising its arm. From the pool, Stephanie leaps out and onto the chest of Mr. Hill. James opens his mouth to try to scream, but once his mouth opens, Stephanie shoves her hand and forearm into his mouth and down into his throat. James tries to scream again, but produces no sounds beyond him gagging on Stephanie's arm. He feels the tips of her fingers wiggling inside his windpipe with each attempt to speak, resulting in him choking and nearly vomiting. His visible breath leaves his mouth, passing through her arm as if it were not there at all. Stephanie looks over her shoulder to the entity. Her face contorts with disappointment. She reaches deeper into Mr. Hill in search of something. She sinks her arm down to shoulder inside the old man's mouth. Stephanie shrugs and frowns. It's not in there. The children holding down Mr. Hill laugh at the old man in his struggle to resist them. The entity folds his arms and rubs his chin in contemplation. I assume it's in hiding, deep down in there somewhere. Keep digging. I can keep here another couple minutes more. Stephanie plunges her arm down James's throat again. He gasps for air and gags, sending spittle into the air past her arm. He notices that her arm does not seem to be blocking off his air as much as it had before. James lets out a scream for help. Help me! In the kitchen, Emily dances and cleans while listening to music in her earbuds. She checks the food in the oven and smiles, seeing that it's ready for them to eat. She pulls out the food and rests it on top of the stove. Emily steps away from the stove with a puzzled look. She removes the earbuds and looks around, confused. She turns her head towards the living room. Did you say something? Stephanie pulls her arm free of Mr. Hill and presses her index finger to his lips. She glares at him 
and shushes him with a menacing on her face. James turns away from her damp finger and cringes. Emily, listening intently, but shrugs after hearing nothing in response to her query. She returns the earbuds and takes a plate from the dish-draining rack. She pours the contents of a frozen meal onto the plate. Emily carries the plate and some condiments on a tray into the living room, calling out to wake him from his nap. I hope you're hungry. Dinner's ready. The entity and ghostly children find themselves pulled back across the veil into the twilight world of the dead after spending too much spiritual energy to interact with the physical world. Tears flow down James's weathered face. Get off me, bitch! James' remark offends Emily as she enters the room, but stops in her tracks and stares at Mr. Hill. He spots her standing nearby, holding the food. He frowns and yells at her. About time you came to check on me, don't you? Think, how long was I going to scream for you? Are you deaf or something, girl? Emily sucks in her bottom lip and bites it for a short moment. She huffs and continues to Mr. Hill's side. She places the tray across the arms of the chair above James's lap. I was listening for you, and every time I asked if you needed something, you never said a word. What do you want me to do? I am not a mind-reader. James scoffs at her response, wiping the spittle and phlegm off his chin with the sleeves of his pajama top. He licks his gums as he pulls his dentures from his breast pocket and shoves them into his mouth. He waves her away dismissively and furrows his brow, revealing his irritation with her. Ah, never mind. You wouldn't understand. Don't you have something you should do? Emily huffs, walks into the kitchen, ready to take a break and eat. She puts her food on the table and peels back the plastic on the top. She shakes her head and whispers to herself, Rotten old bastard, I hope you choke on it. Emily takes a bite of the frozen mashed potatoes. She chews twice, but stops taking the bite from her mouth, dropping it into her napkin. She licks her lips in disgust and shakes her head. She looks down at the food and sees it's covered in maggots and larvae. Emily jumps out of her seat, runs to the sink and gags as her body rejects anything still in her stomach. After vomiting a couple times into the trash can, she uses a handful of water from the sink to rinse out her mouth. What the heck was that? Emily walks back to the table and looks at her food, but sees nothing in, on, or around the meal. She turns the plate and stares intently, studying it. An expression of confusion takes hold as her mind tries to wrap itself around what she knows in her heart that she'd seen. What the hell is going on? Emily stops and strolls into the living room. She pauses behind Mr. Hill as he scarfs down his meal. She peeks over his shoulder at his plate to make sure he's not having similar issues with his dinner. James stops eating and looks back over his shoulder at Emily. 
He shrugs at her, while frowning and glaring at her. He yells at her, sending bits of food out of his mouth in every direction. What do you want? Didn't I tell you to leave me alone? Emily raises her open palms, placing them like a wall between him and her. Her cheeks blush as she searches for words to express her momentary concern for the old man's well-being. I... I... Mr. Hill shakes his fist with a forkful of food at her in anger. He jabs the tip of the fork, gesturing for her to leave the room. What? Did you go dense or something? Get out of here. I'm trying to choke down the garbage you cooked. Emily walks back into the kitchen and throws her plate into the trash can. She sits down, facing the kitchen sink and window. She takes out a cigarette and takes a long drag from it. Emily exhales the smoke into the air and rocks back into her chair, placing her left over her right. I think I understand Brenda a lot better. Emily hears the drumming of the rains outside starting up again and can see the tree limbs starting to whip around. She takes a long draw from the cigarette. She watches a tree branch fall across the power line, sending sparks showering across the soaking wet ground, and the power goes out inside Mr. Hill's home. I really like this Stadler House series. If you like it to don't forget to throw us a like or subscribe. But for now this is the Wicked Things Podcast signing off. Until next time. Goodbye.